Amen. One Saturday morning, there were two brothers. They had gotten up before their parents, and they had this crazy idea that they were going to make breakfast. So they went into the kitchen, they pulled out the eggs, and the older brother had a great idea. And he said to the little brother, I'll give you a dollar if I can take these three eggs and crack them over your head. Little brother said, you promise? Older brother said, yes, yes. Little brother again said, you pinky promise? Older brother said, yes, yes, I promise. So little brother's all excited. I'm going to get a dollar. Older brother takes the first egg, cracks it over his head. Little brother's like, ew, it's gross. Then comes the second egg. Ew, oh, it's so slimy. So little brother's sitting there, and he's waiting, and he's waiting. He says, what about the third egg? And the older brother says, well, I can't do that. It's going to cost me a dollar. We don't like promises. We will find loopholes in our promises so we don't have to keep them. When keeping a promise costs us something, we look for a way out. You see, a promise is a commitment to do or not to do something. It's a declaration assuring somebody that you will or will not do it. And in our text this morning, we hear about promises. We hear about choices. And we hear about commitment. This morning, we're finishing up our series on life lessons. We're finishing up our study of Joshua. But we have learned some pretty cool lessons. Be strong and courageous because of God's faithfulness to his promises. We've learned to believe by faith that God will continue to write your story, just like Rahab. We've learned that we need to have a heart that follows God. We have to see where he's leading, see where he's going, and chase after it. We learned that we need to remember all that God has done for us, lest we ever forget how good he is to us. We learned that sometimes we have to go through a time of pain. Because in the pain, in the healing that comes after, we find God. We find his spirit, his power. And we grow stronger. In the Battle of Jericho, we learned that instructions matter. The instruction giver matters even more. We learn to be strong in our battles. And that some of the battles we find ourselves in, some of the battles that we've gotten sucked into, aren't even our battles to fight. Those battles belong to the Lord. And he's trying to teach someone else something. Last week, we learned that it matters who we listen to. We have to be able to discern God's voice over all the other voices all the discouragement, all the distraction, and there's a lot of it out there. But only God's voice will fill us up with our purpose, 
And today we're going to study Joshua's final words to the Israelites. You see, Joshua begins chapter 24 by recounting that same promise that was made by God to Abraham. The promise that was in Genesis chapter 12. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. It was a promise, and it was a covenant that was repeated to Moses on Mount Sinai. When Moses climbed the mountain to appear before God, the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, Give these instructions to the family of Jacob. Announce it to the descendants of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now if you will obey me and keep my covenant... You will be my own special treasure from among the peoples on earth. And so Joshua recounts all that God has done for the Israelites up to this point, proving God's faithfulness to keep his promises. Speaking for the Lord, this is what Joshua says. I sent plagues on Egypt to bring you out of bondage. I brought a sea crashing down on the Egyptians before your very eyes. After wandering in the wilderness for many years, I brought you to the land of the Amorites and gave you victory. When you crossed the Jordan River and came to Jericho, they fought against you, but I gave you victory over them. And I sent terror ahead of you to drive out the two kings of the Amorites. It was not your swords or bows that brought you victory. I gave you land you had not worked on. I gave you towns you did not build, the towns where you are now living. I gave you vineyards and olive groves for food, though you did not plant them. See, these were all the blessings and promises fulfilled by God when Israel made the choice to obey him. And now Joshua, in his old age, he's coming near the end of his days. And he warns the Israelites that they need to now be responsible to choose their destiny in his absence. Because these blessings that they have received, they can be taken away if they make the wrong choices. Because choices matter. And life is full of choices. We make choices all day. What time are we going to bed? What are we eating for breakfast or lunch or dinner? What are we going to wear today? How are we going to spend our time? How are we going to spend our money? Some choices are easy, some not so much. But one thing is for sure we have to live with the consequences of our choices, whether they're good or whether they're bad. And we are who we are today because of the choices that we made yesterday. And the choices that we make today will impact the decisions we make tomorrow. 
You see, some choices may create for us defining moments in life. And that's what we see in our text this morning. We have a defining moment for Israel. Joshua is challenging them to choose who they will serve. Serve the Lord alone, he said. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? The Israelites were being called to choose between being a people that served God, the one true God, or a people that served false gods. Will they choose to be a people that depended on God, or a people that was choosing independence from God? Will they choose to walk by faith, trusting in God, or will they choose to walk by sight, trusting in their own strength? Will they choose to live in fellowship with God, a clean and holy people in the midst of pagan cultures? Or will they allow the pagan culture to come in and influence them? It was a defining moment for Israel, and one that we face even today. Will we allow Christ to rule our lives? Will we reflect his love to the world? Will we share his message of hope and life with others? Are we willing to learn about him seven days a week, not just one? Joshua states his choice, but as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. He states decisively, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Not we might serve the Lord, we could serve the Lord. No, we will serve the Lord. He made a choice and he settled the issue. He was standing firm in his faith. James reminds us the danger of not standing firm. In James chapter 1, when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. One of my pet peeves is going to get a cup of coffee and standing in line for 15 minutes, the menu right there up before you, everyone that's standing in line, and you have someone, or maybe you go with someone, that has this long to look at the menu, and you get up to order your drinks. Oh, I don't know what I want. Oh, I'm not sure. Oh, well, can you tell me about this drink? Can you tell? All right, well, what about this? Is this one sweet? Because I don't want sweet. Oh, whipped cream, I don't know. Is the whipped cream going to, you know, get melted real fast? Or, oh, my goodness, will you please just choose something? Pay for your drink and go sit so I can order mine, please. But that's what we do with God. 
We do that all the time. Well, Lord, I would, I would like this. Well, maybe not. Well, Lord, maybe. Um, Lord, I don't know. Lord, I don't know. And sometimes that's good. But when you're coming to the Lord, I want to serve you. You need to be definitive. You need to be decisive. Lord, I will serve you. Lord, I need you in my life. Lord, I know that you're my Savior, and I want you to come into my life. That's not a wishy-washy interaction. That's a definitive, Lord, I need you. Lord, I want you. It's a choice of whether to go through the motions of life or believing that there's something more in life. That God has a purpose for you. That God has a goal and a vision that he wants you to catch. But you have to choose it. In life, we're always faced with two options. Serve God or serve our idols. We can't serve both. There's no middle ground. Jesus told us that. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. It's a choice between God and idols. Listen to this conversation that Joshua had with the Israelites. The people replied, We would never abandon the Lord and serve other gods. For the Lord our God is the one who rescued us and our ancestors from slavery in the land of Egypt. He performed mighty miracles before our very eyes. It was the Lord who drove out the Amorites and the other nations living here in the land. So we too will serve the Lord, for he alone is our God. And then Joshua warned the people, You're not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy and jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you abandon the Lord and serve other gods, he will turn against you and destroy you, even though he has been good to you. You see, Joshua has walked with the Israelites for many years. He's very aware of their fickleness and their lack of commitment to the Lord when things get tough. So he challenges them to count the cost of their commitment. But the people come back, no, we will serve the Lord. Joshua says, well, you're a witness to your own decision. You have chosen to serve the Lord. Yes, they replied, yes. We are witnesses to what we have said. All right then, Joshua says, destroy the idols among you and turn your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. The people Say back to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God. We will obey him alone. Did you notice what was missing in that second statement of theirs? Joshua just told them to destroy their idols and turn their hearts to the Lord. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord. We will obey him alone. No mention of destroying the idols. Yes, we will serve the Lord. We will obey the Lord. But we're just going to hold on to these just in case. That's not decisive. That's waffling between the two. That's straddling the fence between the world and the Lord. 
Much of the Old Testament is Israel finding themselves in this tension between wanting to be set apart for God, but also wanting to be just like everybody else, holding on to idols just in case. And we do the same thing. Like Israel, we make half-hearted choices to follow God because we lack the commitment to follow through on our choices and our promises. But it's commitment that makes the difference. You see, Joshua was a great leader because he followed God at all cost. See, great people are just ordinary people who have made a commitment to a cause greater than themselves. We become great men and great women of God when we commit ourselves to something greater than ourselves. Joshua became a great leader because when everyone else was saying, oh, it can't be done, we can't do it, we can't have what God promised us, Joshua was committed to believing in God. He believed what he was committed to. But our problem is that we're afraid of committing to anything. In our text, Joshua is saying to the Israelites, you may commit yourselves to a lot of other things, but for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You see, when we talk about having a relationship with Jesus, we aren't talking about having someone to call on when we need something, when we get into trouble. We don't serve a fast food God which is to drive up here on Sunday, get what you want, and go out there and live in the world like the world for the rest of the week. No, we serve a God who invites us to his banquet table. He offers us abundant life. He offers us a life that extends beyond this world, a life that brings us into his presence forever. You see, faith always involves a commitment to God. But sometimes we try to hedge that commitment a little with this false sense of humility. Oh, I don't know. I, I, I just can't do that because I'm not sure what God wants me to do yet. I'm going to have to pray about it. Now, don't get me wrong. Praying about God's direction for your life is imperative. But sometimes we use that, I call it, we play the God card so that we can get out of something. Oh, I just need to go to God with this. But then you could be praying about it for two years. That's a drive through God. God wants a choice. He wants commitment. I don't know what the future holds. I can't commit to anything. You commit to things every day. You buy a house, that's a commitment. You rent apartments, That's a commitment. You buy a car, another commitment. Starting a job, a commitment. Getting married, that's a commitment. You see, we are faithful to the things that we're committed to. If we're committed to losing weight or getting healthy, we're going to be faithful to do those things to achieve that goal. If you aren't committed to it, then you're not going to be faithful in the process. You may go to the gym for a week or two, and then quit. If you're in school, you're committed to getting a degree. Then you're going to be faithful to attend class. You're going to be faithful to study. This stands true in our faith journey as well. 
If we are committed to living out God's will for our lives, then we're faithful in making him a priority in our lives. As you look ahead, who is God calling you to be? What kind of commitment do you need to make that you're avoiding? Paul said in Romans chapter 6, Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. It's the highest and greatest commitment we can make in life, to give ourselves completely to God to be used for his purposes, the same purposes that he designed you for. You know, a good measurement for your commitment is to ask yourself, if today was my last day on earth, would I live it differently? If you would change the way you lived, knowing that this day was your last day, you might want to check that commitment you have to God. It might be that you're making the things of this world your God instead of Jesus. You see, we need to figure out what's getting in the way of our commitment to God. As I said at the beginning, we love loopholes. We don't like promises. We always have a reason for not committing. Yesterday I saw a comic with Linus and Lucy. I love the peanuts. Lucy was coming to Linus and she said, Linus, are you coming to Sunday school tomorrow? And he said, well, I think so, but why? And she said, well, last week, the teacher wanted to know why you weren't there. And he said, well, just tell her that the zipper on my Bible broke. Excuses. We look for any excuse to do something that we don't want to do. But part of the problem is that we call them reasons. But really, they're just excuses. You see, a reason is an explanation of why something is the way it is while we take responsibility for it. An excuse is different. An excuse is an explanation of why something is the way it is, while placing the blame on someone else or something else. See, at my house, laundry is an issue. And there's a rule in my house that says, do not bring a laundry basket to the laundry room unless you're going to do the laundry. Last night, I had three laundry baskets in front of my laundry room. And as I remind my family, what's the rule about the laundry? Oh, I forgot. That's an excuse. Oh, I don't have time. Well, neither do I. That's an excuse. Finally, Jay smartened up, and yesterday he said to me, Oh, well, you know, sweetheart, my neck is really sore, and so I can't, I can't do the laundry because the washing machine is low and I have to bend down. And I said, oh, darn it, that's a reason. Okay, fine, you win. But that's what we do. We look for those reasons versus excuses, and we start to think that our excuses, because we want to justify our lack of commitment, And so we give these excuses thinking that they're reasons and they're not. 
because we're not taking responsibility for what we're actually doing or not doing. You see, excuses keep the truth hidden, while reasons have nothing at all to hide. Excuses just justify our behavior. They make us feel better about our choices. Reasons have the ability to change the world. Excuses change nothing. They keep us stuck. And so as we look at our lack of commitment, do we have excuses or do we have reasons? There are two kinds of people in the world. Those who are looking for an out and those who are looking for their in. And God stands at the door, arms open wide, asking, are you all in? In our commitment to God, we have to throw out our excuses. We have to give ourselves over completely to him so that he can use us for his purposes. Not just when it feels good. Not just when the times are good. But even when we don't feel like it. Even when the times are difficult. That's what commitment is. Commitment is a steadfastness to keep our promises, even when we don't feel like it. Joshua uses the word wholeheartedly. So for the Lord, serve the Lord wholeheartedly, he says. Some translations say with sincerity, in all faithfulness. Joshua doesn't leave any room for casual faith. It's all or nothing. And it's on God's terms, not ours. Church, some of you are missing God's best for your life because you're not willing to commit all to him. He's standing at the door of your heart waiting for you to let him in. He's waiting for you to commit all you are to him and him alone. But we need to answer that question honestly. Are you committed wholeheartedly to the Lord? Are you committed to the Lord with all sincerity and all faithfulness? We can apply the same principle to church. What is God calling us to be? What kind of commitments is he calling us to make? Because our vision at Sawgrass is to be a church that loves in ways that matter. What does that mean? It means that we worship Jesus with all that we have. It means that we put Jesus at the center of everything we do. And if he isn't at the center of it, then we don't do it. It means that we love people. Like Jesus, we are a friend of sinners. We are a friend to the unlovable, to the social outcast, to the hopeless. We want people to know that it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. We want to welcome you in, and we want to help you get back on track with God. Just like Jesus, we want to love you right where you're at. And we want to love you as we love ourselves. And our vision of loving in ways that matter means that we serve people. As followers of Christ, we're called to make a difference. We're called to be the agents of change in the world. 
but not as a judge, not as a policeman, but as a friend. People out there, they want friends. You know, that's why we're taking the time today to make sandwiches after service. That's why we provided backpacks to the community with back-to-school supplies in August. That's why we're hosting our annual Thanksgiving dinner this week. Because we're committed to God's vision of loving in ways that matter. But that commitment has to start with trusting in God's promises. It begins with making the choice to allow Jesus to live in us. It's not just a one-time event. Every day we are presented with choices to let Jesus in or shut him out. What choices are we making about our lives? What choices are we making about our relationship with Jesus? He's laid before us his promises, and we know that he's faithful to fulfill them. But are we still wavering in our decisions? Are we just grabbing whatever we can get just for the moment? Or are we committed and steadfast in pursuing a better life, a greater life, the abundant life that he's promised us as individuals and as a church? Holy Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your promises. We thank you that you are faithful to fulfill your word in our lives. Help us to be strong and courageous as we leave this place, Lord. Help us to follow you. Help us to chase after you, Lord. Wherever you go, wherever you lead, may we Hold tight and follow. May we never forget all that you've done for us. Lord, help us to surrender all, all that we are to you, Lord. Help us to love in ways that matter. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen.